Today is Trans Day of Remembrance, and I want to begin with a moment of silence to honor the trans and gender non-conforming people who were murdered this year, as well as our LGBTQ siblings that we lost last night at the shooting in Colorado Springs. In 2022, there have been 32 recorded murders of trans people in the United States, and over 327 globally, the majority of whom were black and indigenous trans feminine people. These figures are shoddy and imprecise. Trans people are often misgendered in our deaths, and most places do not have sufficient tracking measures to keep a record of anti-trans hate violence. So I want to take a moment of silence to honor all the names we'll never know, the transcestors we will never meet, the invisibilized deaths, a community of unmarked graves. Let our silence be a sanctuary for our sorrow. Let our sorrow be a signal of our eternal love. Let our love render violence obsolete. Thank you. Thank you to Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis for this invitation and to Middle Church for having me. Let's begin with that, me. My name is Alok, and there are plenty of words I could use to encapsulate who I am, but none of them hit as close to the bone as an empath. <laughs> I feel, therefore I am. Today, this week, my home state of Texas proposed a bill that would criminalize venues for hosting trans performers like me. It's one of over 330 anti-LGBTQ bills that have been introduced this year alone in the US. Last night, at least five queer people were murdered at a bar in Colorado Springs, which goes to say, in the face of the baseness of a society trying to eliminate the people that I am and the people that I love, I come to you in pain. But this pain, it does not belong to me. It is yours and it is ours, but it is not mine to hold alone. Trans people have become a repository for the unprocessed grief of this disconsolate society. It's a society that fabricates narratives that trans people are dangerous to distract from the real violence occurring in its places of worship. It's a society that worships the false prophet of fear whose scriptures seep across news feeds like an oil spill, whose disciplines and disciples paint murals out of the muck, manufacturing misinformation about trans healthcare in a country where the majority of people can't even afford to go to a doctor. It's a society that fuels the myth that our drag shows are destructive to divert from the true scene of the crime, its own homes, its own familial abuse passed down across generations like a family heirloom one in which we wear our brokenness as a badge, as if our heartbreak makes us a martyr, not just miserable. 
It's a society that teaches men that their worth is commensurate with how much they can become a weapon, first detonated against themselves, then against one another, then against anyone who reminds them that they too are capable of blood. It's a society of fiction writers cosplaying as politicians, using this country as their global Comic-Con to compose stories so tantalizing and irresistible that the people, they live in them, not here on this earth, but there in the fairy tales of this country and its surgical division of billions of beautiful people into one of two genders and the subsequent pageantry of pretending like this coercion was our own choice. It's a society where we are told we only have worth for what we look like, not who we are. One which ritualizes and glorifies the irreversible damage of flattening our multitudes into mere flesh as if we were only bodies, not souls. Trans people are demonized precisely because that prevents this society from addressing its own wounds. Transphobia was invented as a quick fix a diversion, an ambassador to the status quo. The anguish and the indignation that many feel is just and necessary, but it is being misdirected at the wrong target. Trans people are not the enemy. Redirect your rage from being called cyst to the system, my friends. As, as trans people, we are tasked with holding the refuse of what others refuse in themselves. The shameful parts that they cannot reconcile with their self-image, their hesitations, their ambivalences, their contradictions, all the pieces left on the cutting room floor from the stories we tell about this country and its gender and its people, but I refuse this assignment. I reject the fundamental presupposition that this issue belongs to me, like the solution to the violence is having us change the way that we look, not the people harming us, changing the way that they act like. This is not about me, this is about us. Let the historians tell the story of a country who instead of circumventing the apocalyptic threat of climate change, let the money go to campaigns to keep people from using the bathroom. <laughs> Let the therapist speak to the diffused resentment of a people who instead of being outraged by the gutting of public infrastructure, gasping for air like a drawn fish, the anger it was reserved for men in dresses in the media. Why are so many more people uncomfortable with what trans people look like than an escalating economic inequality. It's time to get our priorities queer. <laughs> Queerness is a ministry. It's a way of recognizing the sacredness shrouded in shame. It's a love ethic, relentless in its crusade to enfold all of us no matter how different in its hearth. Queerness reorients away from the death drive and guides us back home towards life, towards each other, here and now. What I'm saying is, transphobia is hurting you too. 
I could come up here and detail all the ways that my life has been compromised by my gender, but this is not about me. Like I said, this is about us. Become fluent in it. How transphobia has abridged and abbreviated your own life, eclipsed your own potential freedom, love, wonder, capacity for expansion. How all of those days that could have been spent tending a garden, trying new recipes, building meaningful friendships were instead spent policing and commenting on other people's bodies, how all of the resources that could have gone towards actually investing in women's sports were wasted on kicking out trans athletes, how all of the energy, all of the energy it took to frame trans people you've never met as a threat could have gone into creating supportive pathways for survivors of intimate and domestic violence, meaningful and comprehensive mental health infrastructure for all people. What I'm saying is transphobia depletes the world, starves it of possibility, of beauty and dignity. All the lives of the people who could have potentially been your best friends. Transphobia, it keeps us grasping for air instead of holding on to one another. Targeting us will never bring you the resolution you seek and the compensation you deserve. All it does is give you status, not real safety or stability. Transphobia creates a lonely world where we are alienated from our bodies, our desires, our own spirits, separated from each other by the borders we draw around genders, where we look at one another but can't actually see each other, where we just experience people for what they should be, not who they actually are, where we spend so much time trying to assess how other people align with a preconceived category rather than noticing the actual choreography of their soul the rhythm of their heartbeat, the signature of their palm lines, their soul's fingerprint on this earth. There came a point in my work when I began to realize that the language of politics and gender was insufficient. I needed a deeper kind of love. The ongoing epidemic of gender violence is not just a political crisis, it's a spiritual crisis. It stems from our collective refusal and inability to believe that we are all worth more than this. There is no dignity in a world where people are marked for premature death. There is no dignity in a world where people are murdered for being, which is another way of saying being themselves. Why have we settled for mere mirage? for the circus disappearing act of categories whose casualty is our individuality? How have we become resigned to calling this, this daily regiment of gender norms, living? This is not living. It is possible to exist and still not be alive. What I'm saying is that perhaps so many seek to target and kill us because then they don't have to confront the fact that they are already dead. I don't know about you, but I want to be magnificent. I want every moment on earth to be a monument to it, magnificence. I want heaven on earth now. I want the divinity of individuality. I want 
a soul-first kind of love that recognizes that beauty is not about what we look like, it's about how we treat one another. And I learned that kind of love from queer people, from the sacredness of a dance floor like that one in Colorado Springs, from people who have been shown so much lovelessness from the world and yet found a way to love, them love themselves despite it, simply through loving each other. From queer people who loved me before I was brave enough to love myself. And that's why we're being targeted, gunned down. It's not because we lack, it's because we love. With such a fierce incandescence that it becomes a ring light to their soul. And so many cannot bear to confront what is illuminated within them in the halo of our light. So how did we get here to this perennial scene of self-sabotage screened across America like a Hollywood film where we keep on stubbing our toes on the way home, stepping on each other like stones on a street? How did we mistake another cage as a home, another leash as a key out of it? decorate our dissociation like a plastic Christmas tree, pretend that made it somehow different. We got here because we got lost, and that's okay because that's what humans do, get lost. We are counterintuitive, flawed, imprecise, callow, and rash. And how wonderful is that? Because inscribed within us, Within our own self-destructive impulses is a roadmap home, an invitation back to one another. Every time we get lost is another opportunity to ask for redirection. Crisis is many things, among them an invitation back to one another. And in this moment of discord and division, we are being called back together. We are being asked to forego our fidelity to fear and put faith in one another, to remember that ancestral wisdom inscribed in our very DNA like a tree ring and a trunk, we need each other fundamentally to get free. And so I love the people who hate us more than they could ever hate us because I refuse the distraction and diversion to think that I could ever do this alone, this meaning being alive. My plea is not that you see my humanity, it's that you see your own. That you remember and reconnect with that voice inside of you that once upon a time knew how to trust. That you trust in trust again. Make the foolish leap of faith. Love yourself enough to love us. To believe that the glory days don't have to be over, they can last forever. That glory comes from seeing divinity as an extension, not a departure from our humanity. Perfection means we cannot do this alone. Perfection means we broken people find each other to complete ourselves. That we need each other, not just to be free, but to be. Every day, I walk outside as a leap of faith. Sometimes I wonder if I'll be the next statistic. If next year on a day very much like this, they will be saying my name. Sometimes that fear, it takes control of my life and I wanna hide forever. But then I choose faith, by which I mean I call a friend and I remember that there are people in the world who are beautiful people, 
by which I mean kind people, people who are generous and compassionate, by which I mean divine people, and I go outside anyways, both woman and man, both fearful and loving, both body and soul, both you and me, all love. I heard a, I heard a story once about people who had the audacity to love even in the face of profound grief and despair. I think, I think those people were called humans. Thanks so much.